name is Duncan and we are the Fancy Football Fanatics and I'm joined by Matt in London, Ben in LA and with his pod debut, Andy in San Francisco. Welcome guys. Um, so to start us off, can I please have your World Cup highlight so far? I should say at the moment, at the time of recording, England have just beaten Sweden in the quarterfinals and have been... We will be playing Croatia in the semi-finals, so that's where we're up to at the moment. Okay, so who wants to go first with the World Cup highlight? No one. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no one's done their research, sort of like pause, like, oh, really? Can someone else go first? <laughs> We're in the semi-final of the World Cup, people. Who has a World Cup highlight? Anyone? It's been like a boring World Cup, hasn't it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty uneventful. Well, in that case, okay, I'm going to pick someone. All right. Yeah, Andy, you go. You go. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to try and pick something which um, isn't England-based because I'm I'm guessing that you two are both going to say England are in the semi-final of the World Cup. We haven't won it yet, and the only thing better than England winning the World Cup, I think, is Germany losing it which was great fun. I particularly enjoyed um, South Korea beating Germany 2-0. Do you guys enjoy that? I, I loved it. If it wasn't for the bet I had on Germany to win the whole thing, which slightly soured it. See, my, my, my bet was Belgium. I, uh, I feel like... Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I felt a bit weird doing that. Like I should, It felt like a guilty pleasure, like putting Belgium in there as the, as the winner of the World Cup. And then, little did I know, there was an even greater guilty pleasure on its way. But... Um, yeah, I put Belgium in to win, so I was I was fine with Germany going out. It was great. <laughs> I've gone for Belgium as well for winners. Yeah, it was the... maybe maybe we're predicting against England now in the final. Oh shit! Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> yeah, that'll show you when England beat them in the final. <laughs> Another thing I've really enjoyed, which again is a bit a bit a bit kind of sadistic rather than rather than uh, rather than like properly nice was um, Neymar. Like, what has happened to Neymar in this World Cup? His reputation seems to have completely gone to shreds. I don't know why. I, I never liked him. Maybe because of his hair. I don't know. But he, um, he spent 14 minutes on the ground against Belgium out of 90. <laughs> he seems, like, they, this whole thing about him, he, he's had memes all over the internet. Now, people just don't seem to like him anymore. That's changed a lot, right? Yes, it changed a huge amount. It seems to be, for me, he's just, he's got more and more selfish the the older he's got and the further he's got from Barcelona. He's just, mm. you know, leaving that environment where he was the second in charge or third in charge to Suarez and Messi. He's now saying, you know, I'm the I'm the big dog. But yeah, I just he if he could pass that Brazil team as much as Coutinho did and Jesus did, then they could have scored some great goals. But he just seems so selfish. Yeah. He just sort of dominates, I think, rather too much. A bit like Messi at Argentina, where they all just pass to him because he's the best player. He sort of almost mucks up Brazil's style of play because he feels he has to like do it all, and all the other all the other players seem to worship him in that team and like just keep passing to him and keep supporting him, even when he's not playing very well. Yeah, they just bought into the whole Neymar thing as well, which is crazy. Mm. Yeah, good good highlights, Andy. Very good highlights, Germany and Neymar on the floor. And um, okay, so Ben. Uh, All right, I'll I'll go with England then. 
Um, my my World Cup highlight has been was England Colombia, um, because it was I think as a long supporting England fan, when Colombia equalized in extra time, you're like, oh well, this is. <laughs> I, to me, it was like, oh, this is classic England. Um, we're gonna we look like we're gonna win. We're gonna concede, and then we're gonna lose on pens. And then uh, it went to penalties and. Um, when Henderson missed, I was like, oh, yeah, we're definitely, this is a definite classic England quarterfinal exit in penalties. <laughs> um, and then we somehow won. Um, so that's my highlight, getting through that. Um, and then my secondary highlight, Andy mentioned Neymar memes. I'm going to mention it's coming home memes. They're so good. <laughs> and <laughs> I've already spent probably... 15 minutes every day looking for it's coming home memes. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if you've seen them, but they're, they're pretty hilarious. It's coming home is for people who don't know is um, an old, old England, I guess from, do people remember 96? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. 96. Um, I think it was originally written by the lightning seeds for, these two comedians, Biddy and Skinner, and it's made a resurgence because uh, it's very singable and it very memeable. So if you haven't seen the memes, check them out. They're so good. What's your favorite I think, one? I think mine's the Matrix meme. You know where Neo? Oh yeah, I've seen it. Um, and they're like, "Oh, he's starting to believe." <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's an excellent highlight, and. Um, Matt, how about you? Is it England as well? Um, yeah, I, I, I've got sort of an England one and a non-England one. Um, I mean, obviously, Colombia was actually winning a penalty shootout was amazing. Uh, but probably just the first couple of games for England was so nice because they're like a likeable team and they were winning and playing well. It was just, I think that's the point that this World Cup just felt a little bit different than some of the previous ones where usually we draw against Tunisia and the fan, the media would get on the the players' backs, and it all start slowly falling apart. But we actually managed to win that game, and kind of happy about it. And it's uh, it's just sort of continued on from there. The, the, sort of the England rush. So it's been really nice actually liking the court without being frustrated about how. I think I completely agree. I think my um my World Cup highlight is very similar. Obviously, it's it's England as well. But um, oh, sorry, I've jumped in before your your other one, Matt. What was your non-England highlight? Um, well, the other other one, sort of just the start of the World Cup and the Spain Portugal game. I just think like that announced the World Cup had started, and it was just such an amazing game of football. Like Ronaldo dragging his team to a to a draw. Spain actually playing well at the time. Um, and it just seemed like, oh, God, this is, this is like the festival of football has started and we've got like another month of this. This is brilliant. You always have to have that first game, the kind of 3-2 with Holland and Spain in the previous tournament. and Yeah. Just to get kicked off, don't you? That's it. I think the excite- my excitement started there and it's just like, well, it's just amazing time of year. Yeah. Yeah, so like I was saying, mine is very, very similar to your England highlight. Um, I think, as well as being a highlight for me, I've also had my lowest moment of the tournament, 
when uh, against Colombia in the 93rd minute, when Mina scored that header, I was screaming at the TV before they took the corner. Put three men on Mina. Everyone, <laughs> Mark Mina. <laughs> Jordan Henderson lining up against him. I was thinking, how low down in the pecking order of our best headers is Jordan Henderson? You know, Harry Maguire, John Stones, Harry Kane, anyone <laughs> but Jordan. And um, yeah, that was definitely my low light. I was, I was so so emotionally invested at that moment that I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Um, <laughs> that was my lowest moment. But I think my biggest highlight of the tournament has been probably England's back three. Um, just the centre-backs and the way that they keep the ball and play triangles around people trying to close them down. It's, it's just setting the tone for the whole team keeping possession, calmness under pressure, but they, they don't even seem to be taking huge risks. It's all calculated risks. It's almost like watching Man City from the back. Um, well, it's not that good, Duncan, but I agree with you. <laughs> there have been a few wobbles. Carl Walker's had a few wobbles, Pickett's had a few wobbles, but it's, it's such a change to the past when we, we joke about John Terry, England's brave John Terry, you know, we joke about that being ironic, how ridiculous it is. You know, there's figures which, you know, half the country hates and they're brave because they go into tackles two-footed and, you know, mouth off and they're tough and they're nasty. These centre-backs, like John Stones, Harry Maguire, so cultured, so impressive. It's, you know, yeah, I'm going to say Bobby Moore. I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> It's the spirit of Bobby Moore, and that's been my that's been my massive highlight as a big fan of defending. Um, but seeing England defenders playing the ball out like that, it's been fantastic. A, good, a lot of credit to Southgate for that, to be honest. Uh, like changed their style of play, and they had the confidence to like drop some old guard players, get to a really nice atmosphere, and like just put so much faith in the the young guys to to play like passing football instead. Yeah, do you know what? I, I think. Sorry, you go, Andy. Um, I think there's a lot of. Um, I, I agree with you. Southgate's had a huge impact on this team, and I think you can see a lot of his kind of experience as an England player coming through in this team because he obviously was one of the better passers from the back when he was a player, um, and he was surrounded by sort of clodders behind him. Um, and I think you can see he was like, if only these guys could pass with me, we'd be such a good team. And he sort of built a team around the way he sees his own defending in that in the team that he played in. So there's a lot of that there. But there's also um, the fact that they've been practicing penalties since March, which I think, again, the sort of trauma that he went through, you've seen that he's, uh, he's experienced being an England player. He knows what can go wrong really, really well. And he's brought that through um, into sort of preparing his team for the worst. And I think you can see now that, um, you know, that it's, it's almost like a, a generation of players that has learned from a previous generation, which we haven't really seen before. I also think... Um... I completely agree, Andy, with you. But I also think it's not just Southgate. I, I agree with all the points that he's he's set up this team to play and it's the mentality and it's the way that he would have played if he could for England. But I also think that Pochettino and Guardiola deserve some of the credit for the mentality of some of the players. You know, there's a huge Spurs contingent and 
mentality has been a huge part of Spurs' resurgence under Pochettino. And also, you know, you've got Carl Walker at the back, you've got John Stones at the back. Guardiola has had a huge influence on how they see football. It's not all about going forwards. You know, they get to a certain point, and if they can't keep coming, they go all the way back to Pickford. And I've had England fans around me while I've been watching games going, oh, my God, what are they doing? They were almost at the goal line. Why, why have they gone all the way back? But they're just... It's so un-English. They're, they're keeping possession and they, they, you know, they go all the way back and then they come back again. And that's, that's the way to play the modern game. And it's amazing. So I think those two deserve a huge amount of credit as well as Southgate, really. The innovation that he's bought is um, set pieces though, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, definitely. such a threat at the moment. He's basically picked fullbacks that can cross. And so like, even if there's other maybe candidates that are maybe better to, all-round game he just like no no you, you you cross the ball and then he's like stands the three players who can head the ball in the right spot and tells them they all run and it just nothing can stop it yet he's yeah it's easy. better than it's weapon. better than Harry Kane taking our corner how things have changed Oh, how much we progressed where our best striker is taking on the kicks. Can we all say how, how happy are we that Sam Allardyce doesn't have that job right now? Because imagine what we still have Joe Hartingall, we still have Harry Kane taking corners. I mean, there's no way that like um, Carl Walker will be playing centre-back or Harry Maguire will be anywhere near the team. Like, How far has this team come since then? Yeah, thank God for those journalists yeah. who trapped it. They given credit. My only concern about the set pieces thing is that is such a huge part of where England have got to in the tournament so far. And if a team can really analyse that, use all that they've seen in the tournament so far, and work out a way of stopping it, then a huge part of England's threat is diminished and whether this team have enough you know, right. seen, I think. it only takes one Jesse Lingard worldie and be fine like we <laughs> <laughs> he has been my midfielder of the tournament so far for England especially he's been fantastic Jesse Lingard I think just the energy and you know constantly running constantly available constantly wanting the ball I think other players like Deli Ali in particular has, you know, come in and out of games, whereas Lingard has been consistently positive, I think. Yeah, if I'm allowed a third highlight, I think that's what I'd pick. Is, uh, as a Man U fan, watching Jesse Lingard kind of shine in this World Cup and be a positive influence, like, do... Because he, he's a player who wasn't always the most popular. He, he was seen as kind of limited, and uh, he's, he's quite a late bloomer, I think, and that's why. Um, and now, in the last season in the Premier League, he's got, what, 14, 15 goals. Um, and then he's come into this England team and been one of the kind of main drivers of the, of the positive performances we've seen. That's been a real highlight for me. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Mm. Okay. Well, before we go too far off the down the England road and start singing and <laughs> yeah, predicting 66 all over again, um, we should probably talk FPL because this is what this podcast is about. And I think that's probably a good place to start. So what I wanted to talk about first was what have we learned about FPL for the coming upcoming season during the World Cup? I think Lingard is a perfect place to start because it's 7 million 
and with the tournament he's had and with the season, especially, you know, a patch of the season towards the end of the last season that he had with gold, seven million, surely that's a bargain. He's not on my team. I'm <laughs> yeah, <but he> <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of of the mindset I kind of uh want to ignore I ignore tournaments really before FPL um because I, I just feel like star performers in tournaments I don't know if they always translate to to the league um <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but I my memory's pretty shaky so I don't really remember and the other reason is I'm kind of waiting to see what like not all the signings and transfers have been made yet so um, kind of waiting to see um, for for the Lingard example it's kind of like will we sign like other other potential midfielders that might be a rotation risk for Lingard but yeah I agree he's he's doing well um, but 7 million is probably still but not in my team yeah well I think it's, it's always like a perfect example of why the World Cup is, is not a great thing to base a player's fantasy you think at, at, for England, Lingard's basically given like a freeish role to roam and just try and find pockets of space. He's guaranteed a start. He's going to play 90 minutes. Um, and so he's just really influencing proceedings. And then he's going to go back for his pre-season with Mourinho, who says, you better stand exactly in this spot when we're defending. And then you stand over here when we're attacking. And I'm going to sub you out and rotate you quite a lot. Um, just means he, he'll play a very different style of football when he comes back to Man U um, from what he plays at England. And you've also got the hangover from the World Cup fitness-wise, you know, the Germany players when they won it, because I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan. I remember Ozil and Mertesack are not playing for weeks. You know, they got, I think they got the whole of September off pretty much. Um, and that's happened with other players before. So, you know, they, they're already there. They're in the semi-finals. So the players who are at this stage now, the Croatia players, France players, Belgium, there's a huge amount of Premier League FPL players. And, um, you know, how much game time are they going to get in August and September? I think yeah, that's def- a really important point because it also, this is the sort of next step of that is who's going to play instead of them. I think that sort of the World Cup hangover creates, particularly in the big teams like United, City, Tottenham, like it's going to create space in, in, in those squads for players who don't normally play every game but are actually very good to come in. And because they're not going to play the rest of the season, they're probably undervalued in, in the game compared to the, the minutes they're actually going to play. Um, one I'm, who's currently in my team, but I'm sort of not necessarily sure we'll stay, we'll see how it plays out. But I've got Ilkay Gundogan in my team because uh, City, I've got a lot, a lot of players in the World Cup um, still going, going deep into the World Cup and playing every minute. Whereas Gundogan didn't play a lot of minutes in the World Cup Team went out early. I don't think he's going to be rested at the, uh, at the start of the season. He's probably going to come in. If De Bruyne gets to the final, you might see Gundogan playing his role at five and a half million. That, that looks like a steal to me. So you think players who... So Germany, it's players who went out in the group stages are fine. Open season on those kind of players. No kind of hangover at all, fitness-wise. Well, I think it depends. If, it, if, if they played every minute of all three games, that's very different from somebody who played five minutes at the end of two games, right? So you've got to look at whether they actually were starting members of the team and how often they, they came onto the pitch. But um, yeah, Grindelgaard's my, my shout in that, in that respect because he's so cheap. Um, and I think he might have a, a, a big role to play in the start of City season, which I know we're going to come on yeah. to the fixtures later, but they have a very, very nice fixture list in the first few games. 
yeah. Anyone else picked up any any kind of people to watch out for at the World Cup who, for F, FPL-wise? Maybe not straight away, maybe later on in the season. No, I mean, for me, it's been, wow, this player's <laughs> really good in the World Cup, but I don't know if I want the right FPL team like uh, Pickford and Maguire. I'm like, oh, they're great for England, but um, not so sure I want them on my FPL team. I don't know about Maguire. I mean, he has been such a threat from set pieces. Um, and he is, he is a threat normally in FPL. Um, I, I think, I mean, what's his price for this season? 5-5. Five, 5-5, five. Five, five, but five, have to play uh, have to play United away to start with. Yeah. But I think as a, a season in general, you know, one for... Maybe not initially. Yeah, you know, Leicester's fixtures are okay. You know, fairly average to start off with, but it's such a threat from set pieces, and you know, points per game last season was pretty high, and and so consistent fitness-wise as well. So I, I don't I don't think I agree with you there, man. Well, there, Put him in. <laughs> well, there is also. He's um, he could get picked up by one of the top six as well. Like he, if his World Cup continues the way it has done so far, um, and with a, a yeah. lot of sort of money in the bank, probably with with teams waiting until the World Cup is finished to start negotiating with players, it could be that he's on um, the radar of a bigger club, which would make him a, a steal at five and a half. Well, Man United, if they're looking for a proper centre back, no further. Five point five. That would be amazing. Nah, we have Phil Jones. <laughs> Cultured Phil Jones. Um, okay, so that, that probably sounds like we're going to leave the World Cup in terms of FPL players because of the hangover. Anyone else? Put your hand up if you have anyone else. But if not, we can move on. Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of been noticeable about how not many players have like just come out of nowhere. I mean, maybe some of the Russians. Um, so, yeah, Maguire's stock's probably risen the, the highest out of all players I can think of. Um, other than maybe a couple of Russian players that have done well, but that's in a home tournament, so that sort of mitigates that. I can't think of, like, a Croatian player I'm surprised about or a French one. or. Really... I, I, have, I have one Croatian player that I'm I'm quite excited about. Rebic. Does mm. anyone know much about Rebic? Um, he was playing on the left wing against Russia, Um just pulling up his stats. Uh, so, who does he play for? He plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. So, be yeah, pretty under the radar. I thought he looked fantastic. I thought he looked like um, another Perisic, really. Um, but obviously not in the FBL, so that's completely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> but he might well, end up know- being in the FBL, though, couldn't he? That's true, but I do agree with you, Matt. There haven't been many hidden gems that have come out of the woodwork. I think maybe that's part of the modern game now. You know, scouting networks are so developed at such a young age across the whole uh, whole world that there are less surprises, possibly. Yeah. Well, you know what did surprise me is I found out that Daniel Subasic plays for Monaco and is 33. I was like, oh, who's this guy? He's really young. I've never seen him in a tournament before. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, no, there was one that really surprised me. Grangfist for Sweden. He's had a hell of a tournament. And he's just like... 
defender, but like just turned up. Like, oh no, I'm just like majestic captain for Sweden, can score penalties and like generally lead everything. Who does he play for? Do you know? Um, I don't know actually. No, I think he used to be at Wigan, and then he plays for Helsingborg. Helsingborg, okay. So I really, I really like the uh, Russian centre back, that thirty-nine-year-old guy. What's his name? Oh, Iglesiavich! What a legend! <laughs> what a legend! <laughs> yeah, champ manager legend. He's still there from when we played champ manager at school. He's still playing football. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I should say, actually, I kind of skipped over this at the start of the show, but um, I mentioned that this is Andy's pod debut, um, and as a kind of a, a bit of a background to. The four of us now, we're all kind of together. We all went to school together as uh, from the age of about 12, 13, 11, around that age. And we were all kind of grouped together by our kind of obsession with football, you know, talking about football during break, playing football during lunch break, playing football after school, and then playing football games online against each other in the evening. And so... This is kind of the culmination of what, 30 plus years of football obsession now combined in the four of us and um, together. So that's kind of our background, basically. Do you guys kind of have anything to add to that? I think you just read out a section of my wedding speech, didn't you? That's what we think of it, seriously. It's just to take the mickey out of other, other friends. So I can't, that sounds far too positive and like nice. <laughs> yeah, it's too real. Um, okay, so last season, let's bring it down to the trenches then, make it a bit nastier. Last season, there was a controversy. There was a podcast begun called Fancy Football Fanatics. Um, me, Ben and Matt, no Andy. And there was, there was some discussion over the summer. There was a lot of hurt feelings, but now we're all together. And... Um, <laughs> Last season was a bit of a trial, as you know, listeners who have heard us last season. It was a it was a bit of a trial. We started halfway through the season. We were kind of figuring things out technically and how things were all going to work. But I'm really positive about this season with the four of us. You know, it might not always be the four of us. We might not always be available, but you know, at least three of us for every pod, and it would be great to go the whole season through. Well, thank you very much for finally inviting me. I'd like to say that uh, thir- <laughs> thirty weeks of hurt never stopped me dreaming. Okay, well, should we move on to our, our draft? Not our, our draft, but our first drafts of our fantasy football teams. Um, have you guys had a chance to put together your, your first tinkerings? Obviously, these are not the final, you know, um, signings haven't been all confirmed until the transfer deadline. You always change your first team, but it's always exciting getting into the FPL game and looking at the prices and putting together a team, ripping it apart, starting again. Um, so, yeah, who wants to go first with their, their first team? Why don't you go first? All right, fine, I will. <laughs> um, let me just bring it up here. So... I've actually ripped this team up once already because I, I do this every season. I go into the game, completely ignore any fixtures whatsoever. I look at my notes from the end of last season and be like, okay, this is the player you need to get in. He was amazing. This is the player you need to get in. He was amazing. And I always 
do that at the end of every season. I write down who was in form at the end of last season and who I thought was really going to be a player worth getting in because I, I have a terrible memory. So I have to write things like that down. Otherwise, I'm starting from a blank slate. And I always go in, don't look at fixtures at all and just put those that team together, put those players together and go, brilliant. And then I look at the fixtures and I think, oh, shit, um, that's not going to work at all. Um, you know, my most expensive player has a horrific run of fixtures for the first 10 game weeks. So I always enjoy doing that because that's just a pleasurable experience. You don't have to be pragmatic at all. It's just, you know, fun. But I've ripped that team up now and I've gone for Fabianski in goal. I think he's going to be very popular, um, especially amongst those who listen to um, Fancy Football Scout and things like that because they're backing him to the hilt. Um for Fabianski and goal and the rotation pair that I'd like to have um, is McCarthy of Southampton because their fixtures match perfectly and I've read that you can get a home fixture all the way through the season with a West Ham and a Southampton goalkeeper so that would be amazing then I've got based on Matt's run of form with this player at the end of last season and how he was a thorn no, in my side. No, you can't pay for that. Yes. Yes, I've gone for James Tompkins. He's going to be in every team. I can't believe I he's 4-5. Yeah. He's gone down. Was he 5 <laughs> million? Or was he 4-5? Four, 4-5. Five? Four. I can't believe after his scoring streaks at the end of last season that he's 4-5. And with you know Palace having a same manager settled team uh, you know a great performance under Hodgson the whole time he was there um, and their fixtures are fantastic defensively you know I think he's a no-brainer next I've gone for Seamus Coleman because I think 5-5 five, five, I think he's priced at that because he missed a season through injury I think Everton fixtures are the best um, initially at the start of the season Although defensively, they might not be great. Now they have Marco Silva. I think they're going to be much more forward-thinking. Silva loves the wing-backs. He showed that at Watford. So hopefully Coleman can find his form pre-injury. Um, he's already had a bit of last season to get back to things. So it's not like he's starting completely fresh. <clears throat> and he's had the summer off with Ireland. Um, then I've got Andrew Robertson. I think he had a stellar season last season, didn't play the whole thing, and he's had the summer off. Six million, I think, is a very fair price. It's not ridiculous. He's not on set pieces or anything like that, but he is flying. Liverpool's fixtures are good, and he's such an attacking threat. Um, I think that's a, a good, good signing in the team. And then I've gone for Charlie Daniels, 4-5. I'm sure a lot of other people um, will be going for him as well. Um, yeah, four five good fixtures, attacking set pieces every now and then, goals, um, settled team, settled manager. Yeah, that's kind of my strategy this season is going, trying to force myself to go with the settled team, settled manager, um, rather than going for Arsenal players with a new manager, a new system. You don't know who's going to play. There might be rotation. He might be figure, figuring things out for the first half of the season. So. Yeah, that's kind of how it's worked out. Not exactly with Marco Silva. That's a little bit based on fixtures, but we do know how he plays. We've seen him in the league before. Um, then I've gone Leroy Sane. I'm sure a lot of you guys have done this as well. Um, hopefully not. 
Otherwise, we'll be saying the same team. Leroy Sane didn't make it to the World Cup, unbelievably, in my eyes. Had an incredible season last season. Guardiola, you just know, as soon as the Germany squad was announced, he would have been the first person he called. And he would have said, you are my star next season. You know, you are our Neymar next season. Um, before the World Cup, he would have said Neymar. Obviously, after the World Cup, he wouldn't have called him our Neymar. Um, Sane has a tattoo of himself celebrating on his back. So he has... I think it's <laughs> then, very last minute change. Um, I've gone for Jesse Lingard, 7 million, but that's possibly not going to stay the same. Um, you know, based on World Cup hangovers and semifinals and stuff, um, it's a bit of a... Uh, he's stayed in there since my who would you have in there based on um, no fixtures or anything like that. The fixtures are good, but obviously he probably won't play that much. I just think sometimes you have to put in players, even if their fixtures aren't great initially, some players it's sensible to have them from the start of the season. And if you think they're going to explode, um, even if, you know, it's a bit of a gamble, I think sometimes it's wise having them because that bandwagon can start um, rolling and you could be left behind and, no, I had that with Mares. I, I wanted to bring him in that season. He went crazy, decided to go for someone else, brought him in, in the second week. But by that time, you know, the wheels were already turning and I was transfer behind. Um, and I've gone for Moussala, 13 million. Great figures. Didn't play a huge amount of the World Cup. I know he might be holding a bit of an injury, but if Gareth Southgate can celebrate with both hands with a dislocated shoulder, you know, after two weeks, I think most Salah can play football after you know, half a summer off. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about Mo Salah. Um, he was yeah. obviously the main man last year, but he's priced at 13 mil, yeah. which is a lot. I was just wondering, do most people think he's worth that amount of money? Yes, I do. I got burnt so <laughs> badly by not picking him last season. He was the first... The only thing that would have maybe not pick him is if he'd been reclassified as a forward. That would have changed the game. Mm. But as a midfielder, like I don't think you could not have him. I agree. I think I think he's going to be hurting after Liverpool losing the Champions League final. You know, Egypt flopping out of the World Cup and him not playing many minutes. I think that's going to stir, hopefully, a bit of anger in a guy who seems pretty unflappable. He still has something to go for. They didn't win the Champions League. Egypt didn't do well at the World Cup. He was, you know, unjustifiably, I think, taken out of the final purpose by Sergio Ramos. And he'll hopefully come back burning to score more goals and beat Kane again. So, yeah, I don't know what Matt thinks. Um, he's not on my team at the moment. Uh, but, I mean, everything you say is quite convincing. So I think he, he's going to be in some of my iterations of my teams. If I can just try it. 13 million is just quite a lot to squeeze in. So you can... You can have some pretty decent teams with, without him. Um, and that's the temptation. Can you spread his points across three or four others? Yeah, I think it's all about your your lower-priced picks if you have to gamble slightly. And it's whether those gambles come off. And if, if you get lucky with someone 5.5 or yeah. 6 million to, to go with Salah, then it's fine. But if, if you don't, then you're struggling. Yeah, so I'm, and, I'm sat on Mane at the moment, um, just as a sort of lesson to cover Liverpool early fixtures, especially because of the injury. I don't know if he'll maybe hit the ground running. So it's like, 
start off Imane and then see and then transfer quite quickly if he if he does look like he's going to be the same as he was last season. I thought Marnie had a he didn't have a great World Cup from what I saw. I didn't really see his games that much. I mean, they were quite unlucky to go out. Um, he seemed like a bit of a threat, but it's just a very different team um, where he's like the absolute massive star, whereas at Liverpool, he can be like properly used and he's just part of a team. Yeah, the games I saw, he did seem to receive a lot of the ball to feet rather than you know, on the run to finish things off or to be incisive in the box. He seemed to be a little bit deeper. So, yeah, it's probably yeah. true. Yeah, that's right. Um, so my my final two midfielders, you know, after your point about Salah, is he too expensive, are dirt cheap. One of them, I've gone super safe and super bench fodder, um, is Stevens from Brighton. Um, you know, played a lot of minutes last season. Um, he's 4.5 million, three assists. That's about it. He's not there to play. He's there to rotate in if there's any unexpected injuries or anything like that and um, I just think he's a fairly safe bet for value and things like that hopefully he doesn't have to get on the pitch so that's my 4.5 bench man my gamble at 5.5 just thought this today um, quite excited about it hopefully it's not what I <clears throat> hopefully it's not what I used to do back at when we were at school and go for the crazy gambles which never came off Hopefully, this one can come off. I don't know if he'll stay in the team, but Adamola Lookman yeah, was, yeah. was on loan to RB Leipzig last season and scored five goals in 11 games and looked fantastic. And I know Leipzig want to buy him, so that might still happen. But it's a new manager at Everton now. Allardyce has been given the boot, thank goodness. Um, Marcus Silva's very attacking. I think he's an intelligent manager picking players. And I, hopefully, he would have looked at videos of look I said scouts had to see him and things like that because I think he had a great season he has great potential he did amazing stuff with Everton in the Europa League and he's the age now where I think he should he's justified getting a starting spot in an Everton attack that looked pretty poor last season and um, so good he might not start I think you think it's a good choice I think it's good hipster choice yeah thank you yes Probably won't even get a minute. Um, but, <laughs> Bundesliga but, scouting. <laughs> I think you know, I'm going to work hard in game week four, as I always do, by by um, making these stupid gambles. So why not make at least one? Um, and then up front, I've got Aguero. Great fixtures for City. Big team. Um, obviously, you know, walked the league last season. I think they'll be even better this season. <clears throat> and Aguero over Jesus because he's not as, as, as many minutes. He's probably had a better tournament slightly than Jesus as well. And City don't have another alternative unless they play a lot of midfielders and no proper striker. Um, so I think he'll be the main man at the start of the season. Um, his points per game is huge. Yeah. Bobby Firmino. I just think, you know, his, his price is so good. He's undervalued, I think, still. And he didn't get a huge amount. Now, he's only been knocked out now. So I think it's good. Do you want someone smashing a table apart in the background? Um, I'm probably <laughs> have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
sorry, I'm banging. I will wrap it up with my last player. Um, it is Chris Wood of Burnley. Um, I think he's undervalued as well as Bobby Firmino. I think Burnley's fixtures are amazing. He was incredibly effective last season. I think because he missed a bit of the season, I think it was through injury, I think he's gone under the radar a bit. And Burnley always start well in the Premier League. They're tough to beat. And, you know, it used to be that you could only pick Burnley defenders, but I think Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes have changed that. They switched from defence And he was a real threat last season. Games, game is huge. His price, so yeah. What do you guys think? Very good. I, good logic to a lot of the players. I like Chris Wood. I think that's quite a solid one. Um, I think the Salah one is obviously like it defines the team, doesn't it? When you've got Salah in the team, and so start a player, yeah, which is probably Salah is the Bednarek the Southampton 4.0 defender. He seems um, seem to have avoided top four teams quite a lot. Uh, that's probably the World Cup hangover thing, possibly, um, coming into it. Mm. Um, I think I've got City in there. I've got two Liverpool, or three Liverpool, two City. Um, but yeah, on the whole, there is a bit of a spattering of Probably the World Cup, I'd say. Yeah. And Salah at 13 million. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you're sort of backing Liverpool. It's Salah and Firmino, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And Man City. Yeah. Okay, who's up next? Happy to go through mine, if you like. If you must. Um, I think at this stage, there's probably slightly less... Background thinking on every single player. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've I sort of went for yeah, some of the logics of like World Cup hangover, so avoid some of those players that are going far. Although I've noticed looking at my team that I've then forgotten to do that for some of my players and just put them in because I like them anyway. Um, and looking a bit at fixtures and also just trying to spread out across teams. So I don't want to like overcommit to one team in case they start. Um, so I went for Edison in goal uh, some Man City defence um, and then Ben Ryan next to him um, just because he'll he'll play every minute I mean, I, c- I could save half a million from that or, or a million even um, from that goalkeeper uh, choice but at the moment I'm sort of going with him because particularly De Gea got so many points last season that it was sort of worth investing just a bit of money in Goalkeeper. That's my logic there. Um, Did you mean Matt Ryan of Brighton? Yeah. So you're not going for a 4.0 keeper no, with Edison? That's, there's no 4.0 keeper plays. Like, I think uh, the idea isn't the idea that you should play Edison in every game. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I. Um, but at the moment, I'm just sort of hedging it to space slightly. Um, and I think that will go to my cheap keep. I thought my good fixtures at the start, and 
he is really, really good. Um, so we'll see how he does. Um, and then across defence, I went for Tompkins, uh, my old favourite. Um, and then I went Trent Alexander-Arnold um, as sort of the cheaper people, but he's got, he's quite highly picked. I think he this season. I've gone for Maguire at the moment, although probably rotate out because although I think he's a good pick for the season, I don't necessarily think he's a good pick for the start of the season. Um, with England going quite far. Um, and then I went with Chris Smalling to get some Man U defence um, and Ben Mee uh, for some Burnley reliability. Um, then in uh, midfield, um, I haven't gone Salah, so I've got a bit more money to spread around. Um, so I spread it around by going for Mane um, to sort of have the Liverpool cover. Ericsson, because he's quite amazing has left the World Cup now, so he's got a bit of a bit of pre-season. Um, Pogba, uh, because I think, again, he'll be quite reliable for Man U, and he's, he's having, basically, like, by the reverse logic of, like, oh, you shouldn't pick him because of the World Cup hangover. I think he's having a very good World Cup, which will be good for his confidence, um, and he might bring that, some of that form back. Um, we shall see. Uh, Mkhitaryan, just because he seemed quite cheap for what is, like, quite an aggressive Arsenal player. Um, and the whole Arsenal squad seems quite rested for this season because none of them really went to the World Cup. So that. Hey. <laughs> how much? How much is Mickey? That's ridiculous. <laughs> how how much He's is Mickey? Seven Matt? million. Okay, I didn't look at any Arsenal players, so don't know. <laughs> Cheers, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I think new manager might like get them playing quite well. I think they might, there's, there's a potential that they could be slightly underrated because uh, they've got starting season of Mickey and uh, a Bang Yang. They might be quite good. I mean, yeah, they might score some goals at least, which is all I care of Mkhitaryan. I mean, it's not exactly so if they draw three all, that's great. <laughs> We are a decent team. <laughs> do, do you think so? Yeah, I think we've got an incredible attacking team. So, so good you didn't pick any Arsenal players. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think, I think with Lingard... The two, the two opening fixtures are hard. You also yeah, don't know who's going to play, do you? That's the thing. With a new manager, you don't know who to pick because you don't know who's going to play. Like, Ozil could be the, the centre of the team or it could be managed out. You just don't know which is going to happen. So it's pretty hard to pick there. Like, every, every player in the team has doubts over their head right now. No, you're right. And I, I, I'll be following pre-season um, formations with, with the new manager to see, like, what it, what's he trying out to see how likely it is that Mkhitaryan gets a good role in the team. It's also crucial, the position, isn't it? Because... He has played number 10. He played there for Dortmund, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, this Mourinho position out wide in the the kind of forward three of the midfield, I don't know if that suits him so much, possibly. Mm. And he, he scored a couple back in the last season as well. So, um, I think he's nicely bedded in to potentially have a good season. Um, we shall start. Started really well as well, didn't he, for Man United? Yeah. Yeah, he started the season quite well. Um so anyway, I thought for seven million, that, that's not bad. I mean, he's basically other seven million players. I don't think I was talented as as he is, or in as good a team. So, I thought it was worth a punt. 
Um, and then Stephen Kearney, uh, Kearney at uh, Fulham is uh, Tom Kearney. Sorry, Tom. Because I think I saw their their back end of their season. He seemed like one of the more talented midfielders that they have. But he's five million, so he can be sort of just put on the bench. Um, but you never know; he might, yeah, might do something. Um, and then up front, I went Aguero as well uh, to get Man City's early start. And plus, I think he'll start um, at the beginning of the season. Um, I've gone for uh, Wilf Zaha at the moment, uh, just because I like that man so much, and I think he really settled into a striker role last season. So he might kick on again this season now that. His confidence is up. He's sort of is learning his position. Uh, you definitely don't think Benteke is coming back. Well, even if he does, like Zaha will play off him. Like Zaha will be like the centre of that team. They'll play everything around him. So, if Crystal Palace score goals, I think there's a high chance that Zaha will be involved in some way. Um, so, as a seven million pound striker, he's going to accumulate points. So, whether it's assists or goals. I read somewhere that he refused his, his latest contract. Yeah, oh, really? So if he goes somewhere good, that could also... Yeah, be might, yeah. it might be... A, like if he goes to Tottenham, for example, though, would he get into their first team? I mean, they've already got a pretty well-settled... Um, like, depending on which yeah. formation they play, either one or... Uh, either playing two or three behind, um, behind Kane. They've already bought Lucas Moura on top of that. I think it would, I don't even guarantee that Saha would get into the team. Yeah, they're pretty rotate. I mean, you're right. If if people get transferred, then it does change everything because suddenly, like, they're a new player at a new club and you're just not quite sure if they'll settle. Um, but whilst he remains at Palace, he's sort of their only hope of staying up, really. Um, so he'll, he'll definitely do something, I think, across the season, whether it's enough to justify seven and a striker berth, I don't know. His um his points per game last season is on a par with kind of Deli Alley and... Um, Hume Mint's son, um, even higher than Ozil as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. It's just whether he's going to suffer from the you know, smaller amounts of points for goals and things like that mm. as a forward. Yeah, I mean, the other thing as well, of course, he's not at the World Cup, so that's going to mean he's got a full pre-season uh, under his belt. Um, so, hopefully, Roy Hodgson's settled side will be OK. But if, it, yeah, it's say if he's having that... Contract trouble that I might I might look at that and reflect. One was um, another a bit of a punt, but I went for um, who again seemed to end last season pretty well. He started to settle down, and he was really good at Besiktas as well. So I think he's a very good player, slightly underrated. And I think again Everton. I mean, I don't know how quickly they'll settle in, but they're they're definitely one of the top half tables. So if you get their main striker. Hopefully he'll score some goals, and at seven million, it's, it's quite a good price. So you got the two seven million strikers. That's right, and eleven million because there's quite a few at seven million at that price point for strikers, isn't there? They lacked a cheap striker option in the market. You sort of had to go expensive sometimes. Um, whereas now there's a few more um, out there that you can sort of maybe gamble on. For, for me, I, I quite like the idea that you've got. You've got your 11 million, 12 million kind of area. You have one player for that. Then you have your 9.5-ish, 9 million Firminos, Lacazettes, Giroud's and Maratas. And then you have your 6.5, 7 million 
Arnautovic, Wood, Zaha, Tosin, and you've got those options at those price points, and you can swap players in and out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing I'm trying to do with my team as well um, for the start of the season is maybe just balance it out with the price points across the different positions so that when the emergency surgery comes in in game week two, um, I can, like, I all I, I have players near that price point to be able to sub them in. But if you've got two seven millions up front, do you have that flexibility? Well, I've I've got a couple of nine and a halves in midfield that I could uh, I could maybe get to shave two million off if I wanted to. Nice, yeah, Frank. I like your team. Yeah, anyway, that's iteration one. I reckon uh, there'll be a, a fair few yet. <laughs> What should I go next? Oh, yeah, um, I, I agree. There's a lot of interesting picks there. There's uh, some synergies with my team as well. I think um, I, I, I had a very similar um, like thought process as you did, Matt, about Wilf Saha. Like I, I, he was, he was like when I was picking my team in and then out and then in and then out and then in and then out, he's currently in. Um, but at seven million, I think he just he looks. If he was eight million, he'd definitely be out. If he was in midfield, he'd definitely be in. But seven as a striker, it's, it's a tricky, tricky decision, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know he's going to do something. Just is it enough to justify that price? Yeah, that's it. In the end, it basically came down to the same thing. It's like I just like him, so I want him to be in my team, so that I like my team. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the best way to do it. But yeah, I, there's a little bit of that. Um, it's the same with Pogba. Like I just like them, so I put them in sometimes. Mm. Do you know the end of last season when Zaha was celebrating goals and things like that? He looked so angry. He did. It's true. Really fired up, and yeah, hopefully. He carries that into the season. I'm sure he will, because often players ending well do start well with the next season. Yeah, he looked like he'd uh, grown as a player last season. Um, start adding that finishing touch. Yeah, you just hope he doesn't get picked up by Spurs or something like that and join the rotation. Mm. Yeah. How's the rest of your team, Andy? Um, so my, my team, I kind of had a couple of, of guiding principles for. The first one was, you must have Mohamed Salah. Don't make that mistake again. So he was the first name on my team sheet. <laughs> um, the second <laughs> thing I did was I had a look at um, the form table um, for the end of last season. And uh, I, I saw... Surprise, do, you, do you guys know who was top of the form table at the end of last season? It really surprised me. Uh, give me so I can find out. <laughs> it, was, it was Palace. Was it, it was Palace? Palace? They were top, yeah, like above um, above City, above Liverpool, everybody. Um, and often, I I think when 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 Leicester won the league, one of the sort of um, giveaway signs for that was that they ended the previous season. So, well, it's often true that teams will take amazing form from the previous season into the next one. So, um, obviously, you want City players because of that. I wanted Palace players, and I wanted Mohamed Salah. Those are my kind of starting points. So, uh, my Palace players, I picked James Tompkins and Wolf Sahar, exactly the same as, as Matt did. I've also picked out Juan Bissaka, who I think is going to play this season at right back at four million. So he's kind of my bargain defender. Um, for for City, I've picked. I mentioned Gundogan earlier because I think he's going to play every game in rotation for the people who are being rest. Um, Leroy Sané, who I think is a bargain at nine and a half. I think he might be this year's Salah. Um, and Benjamin Mendy's back now, and he's such an attacking fullback. He will get like. He gets forward and just crosses the ball again and again and again. I think he's going to get a lot of points this season. 
So uh, those are my three City players. Um, I've picked, obviously I had to have some Man U players, so I picked Pogba, who I think is also a steal at 8 million. Um, and up front, I've picked Lukaku because I thought that I was toying with the idea of Aguero, but then if you pick Aguero, and if, even if he does start, he often gets subbed off for Jesus at 60 minutes, so he doesn't play the, the whole of every game. Whereas Lukaku always plays the whole of every game. A role at the World Cup, which follows on from a good end to last season as well. So I think he's going to hit the ground running this season. And man, you have a re- relatively easy start to the season as well. Um, so I've got those two. Um, once I've sort of done done those sort of guiding principles, going from back to front, the remaining players, I've got um, Pickford and Schmeichel are my two goalkeepers that I'm going to rotate. Um, Pickford is wow. sort of the, the first pick there. Say again? That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Um, and that may change. Pickford was like my main choice. That's a World Cup rotation. It is a World Cup rotation. It's <laughs> exactly what it is. Um, Pickford was my first choice because uh, he... Having looked at, like, when, when Marcus Silva was at um, Hull and then Watford, his goalkeeper's got a lot of points because his defences tend to be quite porous. And so they, the goalkeepers make a lot of saves. And we know Pickford is a very good shot stopper. Um, he also picked up a lot of points at um, Sunderland, despite the fact that their team was awful. And so I think he could be a, a, a high... He could get a lot of saves every game. And Pickford has a hard game. Um, at the back, I've picked Alexander Arnold because I think at five million, that's uh, he's cheap for a, uh, a like top four. I think Liverpool will be top four this season again, um, and so five five million is not only cheap for top four defender, but also he gets forward and he has played in midfield before, so there's a chance that he'll um, play in a more advanced role at times. And Charlie Daniels at four and a half, I think, is just under what he's worth. Um, my other midfielder, I had a real um, toss up here because I didn't know where to go. There's, there's two players from the, uh, the championship that I was looking for immediately to see who was cheaper, were Ryan Sessegnon and um, Diogo Jallo. Um, they both scored like 16, 17 goals in the championship last season and played quite attacking roles. Um, they're both six and a half million. So it's kind of a toss up between those two. I've currently got Sessegnon. Um, then up front, my remaining striker is somebody who was my, literally my only success story from last season was uh, Umar Nyas who I got for four and a half million and just kept scoring whenever he played. Um, and I know that he has a he has a history of playing under Marco Silva so, uh, and doing well for him. I know they, they, that makes him more likely to play, I think, this season than he was last season, even though he got a few goals last season. So he's my, my bargain striker. Yeah, I love it. I, lo- I love the thinking. I've got a couple of questions for you, though, because there's a couple of enjoyably different picks to the team so far. <laughs> Schmeichel axis of power or evil. Um, <laughs> why are you spending so much money on your second keeper? You know, you f- is it five million on both? Yeah, they're both five million. Well, the difference between having five, five million on Schmeichel and four and a half on somebody else isn't great or you pick a four million keeper who is never going to play and so you, you're then gambling all of your um like points on on the main goalkeeper which is Pickford who isn't that strong a pick so um it kind of gives me flexibility where if Everton start the season badly I can drop Pickford for somebody cheap and save a million and then have Schmeichel as my main keeper or if Everton start the season better then I can have Pickford as my main pick and then drop Schmeichel and say wherever else I need that money I can spend it Okay, so you those are your goalkeeper picks for the season, basically, and you're going to see which one is correct. 
yeah, that's kind of what it is. I expect it to be Pickford, but then I've hedged with Schmeichel, and that's. I think it's good to have some money in the bank for wherever else you need to, like, remove people and spend some more money. So that's basically where I've got my uh, my stash. Nice. I've got another one for you. Um, Alexander Arnold. I was so tempted when I saw his price initially, five million. You know, I think it was four million last season, but um, five million is still really generous. My only concern is he's at the World Cup still. I know he hasn't played a huge amount. He's only played that Belgium game really, um, and he's a young guy, so surely he can come back pretty much straight away and, and fit into the team. But I just don't know if he's going to be nailed on first team. Gomez is there and there was a bit of rotation last season. Do you think he's really going to be guaranteed first team at right right back? I think um, when he was the way he performed in the Champions League last season, the fact that he was picked for the final, tells me that he is Jurgen Klopp's first choice right back now. So he might be rested, um, but I don't think that's going to be permanent. I think he's going to be the first choice this season. Yeah, I, I picked him as well. And I think um, by the end of the season, he seems to be first team and, and Klopp really, really likes him. Like He's giving him free kicks and, and corner-taking duties. So I think he's uh, he's on the... I think his rotation last season, but I don't think it'll continue quite so much this season. Yeah, and importantly, what you just said about him not having played very many minutes in the World Cup, I think that's going to mean that rather than other players that have you know gone gone deep into the tournament and played every minute, he's actually not going to be needing as much rest as others might do. I, my thinking, I was so tempted by going with both of Robertson and Alexander Arnold, but my thinking is, if I go with Robertson at six million, I know he will start. I know he's he's a fantastic attacking outlet. Um, he's not on set piece or anything like that, but he is he is a more mature player and. A great one, and I can always drop down to Alexander Arnold, even if he goes up to you know five point two or something like that. I can always jump down to him, whereas I can't go up to Robertson so much. See, I got burned by that yeah. last season. I was so sure that Robertson was going to be the first choice left back at the start of last season, and then somehow out of nowhere he ended up third in the pecking order. So um, I don't know whether he whether Klopp actually trusts him or whether he was forced to play him last season by the fact that um, Milner got injured. I just don't know. Mm. But I, I I had Milner start the season last season. I had a similar problem; just didn't play very much in and out. And then I just don't think Milner's seen as a defender anymore by Klopp. He's been reclassified in the game, even as a, a midfielder, and that's where he played, you know, bits and bobs last season. So I think I think it might be just Robertson and Moreno. We will see. Um. The other question I had, not really a question, but I was thinking along the same lines as you. Um, Marco Silva obviously brought Nias to Hull and it worked out pretty well. Um, do you definitely think he's going to start ahead of Tosin and, and does it matter for you, for your squad? Um, no, I don't. I think he's got a history of scoring from the bench and a five and a half million if he scores from the bench, that's good value. And it doesn't matter with your formation. What's, what formation are you going to play? Um, first game of the season, what I've got at the moment is I actually have Nias play. <laughs> no, I don't actually. That's not true. Sorry, I've made a mistake. I've got 3-5-2 for the first game of the season. So um, I've got uh, Tomkins, Alexander, Arnold, and Mendy at the back. And then I'm playing um, Zaha and Lukaku up front. Okay. 
Yeah, so it doesn't doesn't matter huge amounts if he's not always there in the first team. No, but he uh, he if he plays the minutes that he plays, he scores. It's funny because what you can do with him as well is you can pick him uh, as a sort of your 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 first team in the knowledge that if he doesn't come on to, to the pitch, he won't actually be in the team, and your first sub will come in instead. Um, so that's what I did with him last season when he was regularly getting subbed on is I'd have him on my team, he'd either play and score, or he'd not play at all, and then my first sub would come in for him. Yeah, I, I think it's a sound strategy, and I think, you know, Cenk Tosin is is possibly a bit of an acquired taste, so Marco Silva, you can be guaranteed that he will shake hands with Umar on the ass and, you know, say hello, how you doing? Yeah. I think, I by the way, I also think that is completely wrong about Cenk Tosin. I think he is not going to do well this season. I think either they're going to sign somebody else or he's just going to flop and it's going to be a real problem for the team. I just do not agree that he's got the quality to play in the Premier League. Matt, he's poking you. What do you, what do you got? How dare he? At the back end of last season, um, it's not, not a bad return. I know it's not brilliant, but it's not a bad return. Um, when I saw him play on Match of the Day, so I wasn't watching 90 minutes of him, but he seemed to be... Um, I don't know. I thought he was quite a good all-round striker, to be honest. Um, got good in the air. Got a shot on him. Do you know what? For points per points per match. He has the highest of any Everton player last season. Three point nine. There we go. Didn't play a lot of games, though, did he? And I think when a lot of what you uh, what you perceive of a player is not from from like stats or how they've sort of performed in fantasy. It's what you see when they play. And what I see in Jenk Tosin is somebody who is just sort of doesn't have any particularly standout attributes other than the fact that he's really slow. <laughs> like that doesn't sound like somebody who's <laughs> going to score a lot of goals in the Premier League to me. Um, yeah, I think this may be where we are. Uh, I, I, I definitely like stats rather than seeing what you see with the eye. <laughs> so maybe that's where we it's starting principles that are just different. Um, all about funny. all about points per game and stuff like that. It's funny how history repeats itself with um, Umar Nias when he first came to the club. You know, he was basically told, you're not having a locker and you're not welcome here. Having played, you know, a handful of games, he was given out to Hull, to Silver at Hull and had a great time. And now we had Cenk Tosin who came in for Allardyce and was told he's not going to play until we're assured of uh, that we're not going down. You know, he's not good enough to play un- unless you know, we're not playing competitive games anymore. So, you know, maybe it's just going around in circles and Nias is now the main man and Cenk Tosin's going to be thrown away to Fulham or something like that. Mm. We'll have to see. But that'll be interesting with you two. Um, hopefully Matt can stick to his guns and keep him in his team. <laughs> I love the way and I will stick to my guns and keep him out of my team. And we'll see Mo Salah all over again. <laughs> Okay, uh, guys, any more questions for Andy? No, Ben? Let, let's have a look at your team. Um, I'm going to preface my team by saying I don't like my current team. So <laughs> Nice, good, great start. So my, my two guiding principles, I think, were, were a little bit similar. One is I think Man City will walk the league again, will be even better than last season. So and they have good opening fixtures. So I have three city players. Currently, I have Aguero um, because I like the price. Actually, eleven mil is 
a lot cheaper than Aguero typically is. Um, so Aguero, I have Edison, and I actually have David Silva. Um, I think he'll he'll start most games, um, and eight point five is pretty good. I thought about Sane and De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne is a bit expensive. Sane, I still wonder if Pep will rotate with, especially if he buys like Mares, right? Um, so for now, I have David Silva. Um, my other guiding principle is I think Everton will have a good start to the season because of the new manager and good fixtures. So I have Coleman, Seamus Coleman as well. And I actually have Sigurdsson. Um, mainly because Sigurdsson is normally good in FPL and maybe in this new Everton side, he'll, he'll be the main man. Um, so those are kind of like the plays I think... I feel pretty... um, Those are the two principles I have. And then the rest for now, I have Van Dijk in Liverpool um, because he's nailed on. Even with... um, With Trent, you also have... Isn't Nathaniel Klein back this season as well? So, um, not sure about rotation because you have Gomez and Nathaniel Klein. And then Robertson's probably safer, but you still have Moreno there. So, I just went with Van Dijk for now. Um, I have Phil Jones because I just want some Manu defender. He's probably placeholder until I can figure out our starting centre backs. Um, similar to Andy, I looked at Cessignon and I don't. How do you say his name? Diogo. I hope I've said that right. I, I say Jallo. It might be <laughs> Jallo. I don't know. <laughs> Could be anything. Um, <laughs> so I looked at both of them. Um, Again, to see who was cheaper. And I was like, fuck, they're the same price. And I was like, oh, I've seen more Sessignon highlights, so I'll go with Sessignon for now. <laughs> uh, who is what? Who is Jallo? He's like Wolves' best player, right? Yeah, he's like a, okay. he's like a sort of attacking midfielder striker type player for Wolves. He was the top scorer last season from, in the championship. Okay. Yeah, I saw. So... I, I found out this tweet about who basically someone even more into FPL than us calculated the FPL points for the championship. And Joe, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah. I can, I can send it to you on the WhatsApp, um, but probably not because it's, it's secret info for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Jola is the top scoring midfielder with 201 points. And then Sessignon is just behind him at 197. So there you go. The so, top. Joe, is that actually in English pronunciation Jota? I don't know. I don't even know. Jota. No, J A L O T. J A L O T. And it, is he a midfielder or a defender or what? Is it, isn't it great when you find something that no one's heard of and you can explain to them who this person is and they have no idea what you're talking about? <laughs> um, this really feels like a find. Um, sorry, he's a, he's a <laughs> midfielder. Yeah, he's a midfielder. But he's like a really attacking looking, midfielder. I'm looking at Wolves midfielders just for our listeners, and there's only Jota. He's the the highest priced. J O T A. Jota. Yeah, that's what he's in the game. I don't actually know what is here. Wikipedia. Just, he, oh, you're entirely right. You're entirely right. His Jallo's not even his, his last name. It's just a, you know Brazilians have hundreds of names. <laughs> he's called Diogo Jota. <laughs> <laughs> Yogo Jose Texeria de Silva, known as Jota. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
You're you're going with him then? Can I no, just, I'm going with Sessignon. So I love Andy's research to uh to, to let, know all the lowdown and Wolves' best player, but not to know his name. <laughs> <laughs> just tiny details. <laughs> point is, I um, found him and you didn't, all right? <laughs> well, my 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 point actually on the uh, championship players like Sessignon and Jota. Is uh, I still remember Anthony Knockhart from the season before, um, mm. where he absolutely ripped up the championship and then did nothing in the um in the Premier League, and Matt Ritchie did the same thing as well when um the, I think the season before that, um, so unless they can do it in the Premiership, I always sort of hesitate before putting them in. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, gamble, gamble. My, I have another gamble. What's that? It's changed in the week two wildcard anyway. Yeah, I normally wildcard around week four. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I also have Delafeo as another punt. Um, Watford, new manager. He's 5'5". Five five. He's normally decent. Um, and then my last midfielder is Mane. So, I haven't gone Salah in this first draft. I'm not sure if that will... Um, be the same, but similar thinking to Matt. Maybe Mane can cover Salah because the the price difference between nine point five and thirteen mil is just like so high. So I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's worth it. Um, and then my other striker for now is Lukaku. Um, similar thinking to Andy, like tearing up the World Cup. Um, only player that Mourinho will play all the time. <laughs> until his legs fall off. Um, so, yeah, that's my team. And then my some of my bench players, Tompkins. I have Tompkins as well. And I have Cedric. Cedric from um, Southampton. It's also only 4-5 this season. So uh, hey, he, can, he can fulfill his potential of crossing to no one. Yeah, but 4-5... That's a good price. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of hate my team right now, so I'll probably change it at some point. I I think it's a really interesting, a lot of really interesting discussion points from your team, Ben. Yeah. Um, I think you, you made a great point about Klein at right back, rotating with Alexander-Arnold, Klein and... Um, Gomez. Gomez. I think that's a really good point, and it's another reason um, to go for... Robertson and come down if if Alexander Arnold is nailed. Um, also, yeah, can you while we're moving on to the next session, can you dig out that link for the FBL yeah. points for the championship last season? That would be amazing if we could share that with listeners. Yeah, I'll find it. Um, one other thing is the uh, Ziggy choice. I think that's I think it's a, a good choice. I think people complained about his price last season. It's still the same this, this season, 7.5. They said he'd been priced out the game. I don't think he has been at all. I just think he had a settling in season. He had injuries last season. He had a ship manager. And now he's got an attacking manager who surely will put an arm around his shoulder and say, you're my number 10. You're going to play at number 10. And you're going to be on every set piece. We're going to attack. You're going to be amazing. And he, I'm sure he will be. And I think it's a fair price, 7.5. Mm. And the fixtures are amazing. So I think, you know, Cookman is a very choice for me but two point two million more I think Ziggy is a safe choice. You can just picture him crossing to Tosson, can't you? 
Or yeah, we'll get rated. <laughs> 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 swear to if you have the pace. Um, also, with um, Telefeu, I I've tried so many seasons to pick Telefeu when he's in his form patch, but he is. I think it's he is now cemented in my eyes as a player who will never fulfil his potential, and he will he will blow hot maybe at the start, um, but. Maybe even he won't anymore. He signed for Is that right? Definitely now. Ben, do you know? Say that again. Has Delafeu signed for Watford? Yeah, he's signed for Watford. He's, he's Watford. He's 5.5, yeah. So I think he normally makes a big splash for a new club, but Watford aren't a new club for him anymore. He was on the loan there. He had his big splash at the start and then... T- him anyway, so but I'm not sure about that. Oh, I think we just lost Ben. Everyone else still with us? Uh, I'm still I'm here. Yeah, you should know, Dunk. By the way, your uh, voice seems to be going really in and out electronically, crackly a bit today. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I'll put the microphone closer to my face. Is that a bit better? Uh, for that sentence, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think that was the curse of Delafeu for Ben. That's why he's been <laughs> I just pressed the button and he was gone. Um, yeah, I think otherwise from his team, I think I agree with what his initial thing was. He's happy with those players he mentioned at the start. Um, you know, Coleman, Aguero, Man City and Everton. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's kind of needs to do a bit of We'll work on the Delafeu. I'm not so sure about Mane. And... Mm. Yeah. I think um, Delafeu, I, I thought about him too, but I've eventually decided, I looked at, based on the form guide, Watford ended last season with loss, loss, draw, loss, win, loss, which puts them 18th at the end of last season's form. Now, looking at the, ma- since that's basically what they did since the new manager took over, that's a, a really bad sign in my opinion. I think they, they could be, like the way that they manage the club as well, I kind of think they're due a bad decision on the manager, which it could be this one. Um, and I, I, I think they, they could end up being, uh, unfortunately, the season's whipping boys at the start of the season before they get rid of him. And that could mean that Watford players, first of all, Watford players are the ones to avoid. But second of all, you want to pick players that are going to play against Watford. Yeah. Sorry, who, who is the Watford manager, did you say? Javi Garcia, is it not? Unless he's been fired already. Still the same guy? According to the internet, it's <laughs> according to Google, yeah, it still says uh, Javi Garcia when you search for Watford manager. Yeah, well, you, you have to be quite up to date with Watford, don't you? Because they just cull, yeah, cull pretty true. quickly. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he was that impressive last season. So, yeah, not so sure about Delafeu. I'm not sure if Ben's going to rejoin us, but I think probably plough on and, and hope he does. Um so the next section is opening fixtures. Um, have you guys had a look at the fixtures? We've kind of mentioned them a little bit on and off when we're talking about players and teams. Yep. Anything else you have on the fixtures as they look? Um, so it's, I mean, it's interesting because it, people do play their wild cards early quite often. So like the second or third week wild card um, as they sort of adjust to all the players that have hit the ground running. 
which means it can be quite a good thing just to pick players almost pure, pick your team purely on form. So, just the opening two fixtures, you've got and then Man U, nice home home tie to start the season. Arsenal, Man City is not a great first one, but then Man City's fixtures get really good. Um, and Liverpool at home to West Ham stands out. So you mean target the first three fixtures, that kind of thing, rather than the first six or so? Um, I think it's definitely a consideration. I mean, obviously, if you do that, then you're sort of basically saying, I'm going to be playing my wild card really early. Um, but it's if you're going to get back on the price rises, then sometimes backing some of the ones that are likely more likely to have had a good start because they played some bad teams. Um, yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. Maybe maybe we kind of edit that and say instead of focusing on the first two or three games, you take the first six into consideration, but you prioritise the first three, maybe. Yeah, the knowledge that you might be wildcarding after game week three or four. Well, yeah. It's an interesting thing I've noticed in, in this season's fixtures is that there are a few teams that have a really good first seven or eight games. Um, yeah. If you look at City, for example, Arsenal's hard, but then they play Huddersfield, Wolves, Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff, Brighton. Three teams that were promoted last season and three teams that were promoted this season. Um, and there are a few teams that have runs like that. So if you plan to play a wildcard between week seven, week eight, week nine, around that kind of time, you could get real value because conversely, those same teams are going to have a really hard run going into the second half of the first half of the fixture list. So it could be that that's a prime time to play a wildcard. Can you just go over that one more time? The second half of the first half of the season? Because the, uh, you play everybody once and then you play everybody again, right? So if you have a really easy first eight games of the season or first nine games of the season, that conversely means you must have a really hard second nine games of the season. Yeah, I mean, we can check if that bears out. Um, so you start well with the best starters for the, the first 10 gets of the season are Bournemouth. So maybe they're one of the, your teams to pick with Charlie Daniels. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Crystal Palace as well. That's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. So if you look at the first, like, uh, what, 10 games, they only played Chelsea as the only kind of um, red game in the Premier League fixture list. But then... Um, eight games they've got United Arsenal City Liverpool and Spurs in the next nine games yeah so wildcard around eight nine ten something like that if, if your strategy has been to pick around the fixture list and you've picked a lot of Man City or Man City going to win it'd be everybody on there so I guess that's a, a bad example list a lot of Bournemouth you should pick those teams that are going to um, have an easy start then around um, game eight I think would be a good time to play a wildcard yeah, yeah. I think it's a sound strategy. You've got Bournemouth, Palace, Everton, Burnley, Southampton. You know, there's a lot of cheap players in there that aren't at the World Cup. You know, it fits into that other thing of the World Cup hangover. So I think that's a really good shout. I, I agree that there are a lot of teams this season, you know, seven or eight with opening fixtures that are fantastic. Normally, I find it's, you know, three or four that you're, you're picking around. It seems quite spread this year. Yeah. Which almost means you don't have to take account of fixtures too much because it's quite spread. I think we've got Ben back with us now, guys. Um, and that's probably a good point um, to move on from fixtures because I think we kind of covered that um, previously and just now. Um, so let's talk about um, predictions for the season. Um, 
I'm I'm more thinking kind of early predictions for the early season rather than the whole thing. Um, because, you know, we don't know how teams are going to shape up with signings and things like that. So who are your early predictions for the season or what are your early predictions for, for the season? Who are the whipping boys? Uh, FPL-wise, who are your gut punts for the early season? I've already mentioned Lookman, but you guys might have some more. So let's let's start with her to go first. I reckon Huddersfield might be a bit rubbish this season. I think they were quite lucky to stay up last season. I don't think they've got too much money. And I think the players sort of um, in their one, their first season at the top, they sort of gave their all. And I don't think you can just keep relying on them, like putting the extra mile in sort of thing, just to be that sort of, to, to stay up. I reckon they might be, um, might be found out a bit this season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they, they, they looked like a championship team even at the end of the last season. And I don't see it changing. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think uh, Arsenal is, will be, as much as this pains me to say, better this season. Uh, they can't really get much worse. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think, like, with the new manager, um, no Champions League to focus on. Are you guys in the Euro- Europa League or did you not make that either? Uh, we made the Europa League, I think, because okay. we... Defeated the slugs that are at Burnley. Burnley, yeah. Um, the mighty Burnley. Yeah, I think I think Arsenal will be will be better this season. It's my prediction. And I mentioned earlier, I think City will win the league again. I think they're they're too good. Yeah, I I agree with that one. I think the uh, the teams to avoid. I mean, Chelsea. Who knows what's going on with their manager right now? I think they're a, they might if they, if they don't sort that out quickly, they could end up with a really rocky start to the season. Um, I've mentioned Watford as well. Sorry? Have, they, have Chelsea signed a manager? Well, they're looking at Sarri at the moment from Napoli, who's already been released by Napoli. But at the moment, Conte is still taking their training sessions. Hmm. So wow. it's, it just looks like a mess. Wow. I didn't know Conte was still there. <laughs> yeah, he's still there. So it just I mean, if that drags on and on and on, it could be that they're signing players without without a manager. It could be that they sort of have nothing going into the start of the season. It just looks like a, a mess in the future coming coming like a train. So um, I think Chelsea's a team to avoid, particularly at the start, until yeah. they get that sorted out. Especially if they lose um, um, Hazard too. Yeah, that could be a real disaster for them. Who, if they, Again, part of his decision is going to be who the next manager is. If they don't get that sorted out quickly, then that, that's all the more reason for him to leave, isn't it? You have to, you have to admire um, Conte's determination to get his payoff when he gets fired. Like <laughs> he is just going to stay they <laughs> lose every game. <laughs> I, I really respect what he's doing. Loving his work. <laughs> the, um, the other team I'm, I'm really worried for is Cardiff. Um, they seem to sort of squeak through into the Premier League and their manager is Neil Warnock. That looks like a, a train wreck <laughs> waiting to happen as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Warnock, Warnock back in the division, it's, it's going to be entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be entertaining, but it's not going to last long, I don't think. I looked at their team and I didn't know any of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of experience at Premier League level there. Um, so they might, might struggle. 
Yeah, I can see that happening. I think also the amount of yellow cards they're probably going to rack up at the start of the season are going to tell at some point because um, Warnock does definitely have a reputation for uh, robustious football. <laughs> um, I think my prediction, uh, an early prediction, is um, last season we saw kind of a few early wobbles with Tottenham at Wembley. and They sorted it out. Um, after a while, Harry Kane obviously had his August thing. But I think what they don't probably anticipate is that the new stadium is going to be a new environment just like Wembley was. And although you've got your fans there and they've designed it to be like White Hart Lane, the fans near the pitch and stuff like this, I still think that they're going to have a new stadium drop like most teams do, like Arsenal did, like West Ham definitely did. And it's still not going to immediately feel like home, I don't think. You add that to the World Cup hangover that Kane, Trippier, Ali, um, Dyer are going to have as well. Um, you know, even if, if England win it or if, or if they're disappointed because they lose it, um, whether they're going to be completely focused and whether they're going to be completely fit, the first team. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm concerned about Tottenham and, and it really hurts me to say that. <laughs> Well, none of us have really picked any Tottenham players in our teams, have we? Which um, I think is probably representative of the same thinking as a lot of players at the World Cup, um, New Stadium, like you said. I think also there's, I think the rumours about whether Pochettino was really happy at Tottenham got stronger than they've ever been at the end of last season. So if he ends up becoming disgruntled or getting a better offer, that could be a real problem for them too. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know if that was him just... um caught in controversy to get that new contract, but he did sign the new contract now. So, yeah, well, something to watch, definitely. And if things don't go so well, then that might come into focus again. I would probably be very slightly contrarian and, and disagree a bit. I, I'm not particularly worried about Spurs. Um, I think they will get the benefit of moving to a new stadium, which... The reason West Ham's was so disastrous is because the fans are miles away from the pitch and so there wasn't much atmosphere and it was a bit hollow. Whereas they've designed the stadium to be like a proper, state, a proper football stadium. And so I think they will get a bit of a home form bounce. And essentially we're saying that because their players are doing so well in the World Cup, they might do badly this season. I don't know. I think they, they've always been that young team that's getting better year by year. So I reckon they'll be strong this year as well if they can keep their players. I think by the end of the season, I agree with you. I just think for the first few weeks of the season, they might they might struggle. Yeah, but I mean, I think they've got Son and Eriksson both back. Um, they can win games on their own. They don't have Son. He's going to the Asian Cup so he can avoid oh, military yeah. service. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he'll miss the first... Where, I, think, I think it's the first two months of the season. Um, so maybe whoever rotates with Son is more nailed on now. I don't know. I think I read that somewhere because if they don't win the Asian Cup or something, he has to do his military service or something. <laughs> <laughs> so Tottenham have to let him go, basically. Um, maybe that is a reason to look at... Um, what's his, name? Look what's his name? Yeah, or... Yeah. Who's that Argentinian guy? Fuck, I Lamella. Lamella. Lamella, yeah. yeah. Lamella. Yeah, I think Lamella would be a definite shout. 6.5. And he's a goal scorer. We might have just unearthed uh, an early season gem. 
It depends yeah. on whether he plays, because he, he could be way down the pecking order, couldn't he? Especially, we were talking earlier about if they sign somebody like Zaha, it could be... I better. don't know. I at the end of the last season, Lamella was the one pushing for Son's place. And if any of the front three midfielders weren't up, you know, fitness-wise or uh, form-wise, Lamella was the man to come in, even rotating sometimes at the end of the season um, after his return from injury. I think that's a really good shout. Um, it's definitely a punt that I'd be interested in. I just, I'm not sure. He's quite petulant. He likes to pick up the odd yellow card. So I'm not sure about bonus points. That's the only concern. I mean, we'll have to see if, um, say, Belgium or England do get to the final, then see the extent to which those players are given a rest at the start of the season. Because um, you think in Tottenham's case, they have a lot of those players. I don't know if they can rest them all for the start of the season, so they might bring them back. I, I don't know. I think even if England get to the final or not, I think Harry Kane has played every minute bar the Belgian game at the World Cup and I think he he's played a, a lot last season he's played a lot of seasons past and I think he's going to be given a rest when he comes back I think he should be given a rest and Urente at 6 million is a good shout I think I mean look at pre-season and look at how it's setting up but if it yeah you know that could be an interesting one yeah I don't know I think how he came up be one of those players that he just wants to play every single minute he doesn't want to rest and he, I agree. Might, he might have the body where actually he sort of almost benefits from constantly playing rather than getting rusty. Uh, he seems to like minute. Ballooning like Rooney when he stops playing. Yeah. Any any more things to kind of watch out for? Um, any gut punts for the season or, or whipping boys early on? Um, what Burnley this season? That's, I'm interested to hear what you think about that because they they really really overperformed last season. Where where do you see their real level? I think they will revert to the mean a bit more, um, which is about mid table, like top half, but not not Europa League com- competition. I think Burnley Burnley will do what they always do and they have always done I think they'll start strong they'll start tough fitter than all the other teams because none of their players have been <laughs> at the World Cup and, and they are incredibly fit and well drilled and they'll be incredibly hard to beat they will start off initially very good at the back but now they've added power up front and goals Ashley Barnes is you know massively developed as a goal scorer and Chris Wood is a massive unit and a threat and I, I think they they will start the season as they finish the end of the last season in terms of the position in the table. I think the last thing you want coming back from a big tournament, you know, jaded and jet lagged and pre-season is to play against Burnley away. I think, you know, Turf Moor is a fortress and I think that will only continue. And the manager's still there. Um, he's not going to change his tactics. They even started playing football last season. Um, yeah, I think they're a great FPL pick strikers wise and defenders wise. Yeah, I feel like Palace will also be good this season and more mid table given their form um, end of last season. Still have a good manager in Hodgson. I see Palace like being around mid table with Burnley this season, especially if they can keep their good players. 
this is something I find very interesting about the season, actually, is that there are a lot of teams that should catch up to the norm this season. I think Palace, Everton, West Ham, mm-hmm. teams of that level, like there are a lot of them that underperformed last season. So that seventh place spot, I think, is going to be under a lot more um, competition than it was last season, which could mean that a team like Burnley, even if they do exactly the same thing this season as they did last season, as many games because everybody else is better around them. So you could end up with Burnley finishing 11th, 12th, 13th if, if they manage to keep up that form. And that's a, to me, I think that's a big if as well. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to throw my uh, like a, a proper prediction on that because I don't, I don't really know what to believe about that. But I think it is an if whether they're even as good as they were last season. I think there's definitely a good point about the increased competition for the level that they are in the table. Yeah, Leicester, yeah Leicester, Leicester as well. It's another one that should be around that yeah. level. Mm. What do you guys think of Southampton this season? They, they've got good fixtures to start with. But obviously, they have Mark Hughes as manager, and they just scraped staying in the position of Premier League team. Yeah, I don't see it with them at all. Don't I? Don't really see much to like about them. I think they could be one of the teams. It's interesting. I kind of feel like I agree with that on Huddersfield, and I think Huddersfield and Cardiff could very easily get cut adrift if they're not careful, which leaves one relegation spot, which could be between the likes of. I think Southampton would be a, a prime candidate for that spot. To be honest, I don't. Don't see this unless something changes. I don't see the season going well for them. Yeah, I, I know. I, I see below the Champions League and maybe Arsenal. I can see there being a big gap opened up again, opening up. Like, it was a bit like that last season where the top teams were just much better than everyone else, and teams like Southampton. I don't know. If there's much difference between them and Watford, Brighton, Wolves. Um, Newcastle. I think they're all about the same level. It could be really close again in that lower mid-table. And one of them will get relegated. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Does anyone have any gut punts for the season then? For players who you think uh, maybe you're kind of your equivalent of Lookman? I think Lukman's my gut punt for the season. Who's your Riyad Mahrez coming out of nowhere? Jake Tosson, no? I mean, of course, it's Jake Tosson. <laughs> Jake, Jake Tosson for that, lovely. <laughs> the whirlwind from the east. <laughs> great name, great nickname. Ben, do you have any um, gut punts for the season? Um, I think mine was... Sigurdsson returning to form. I think my gut punt is yet to be transferred. I think one of the big teams is going to probably buy someone um, similar to Salah last year. That could be quite interesting. Um, but I'm I'm kind of waiting on transfer activity because I think Ronaldo leaving to Juve potentially, if that happens, I think you're going to see Madrid and Barca try and buy like Hazard or Ericsson or someone like that. And then they're going to be like, some dominoes moving, um, which could open up an interesting signing to come. It's kind of like the um, last season. I'm, I'm trying to look for the next Riyad Mahrez, but I think they were you're so right about signings. Last season, Pascal Gross was a perfect example of someone you had to look at the stats for and listen to the analysis. And he was a great pick from the start of the season to have your team for the whole season. He was consistent, he was on set pieces, he was cheap. 
um, and he was playing at a team that played proper football. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right that that player hasn't yet arrived and that they will probably come from a transfer in rather than uh, already being in the league. Yeah, because like Salah last season, I, I had him from game week one because I was like definitely worth taking a punt given his price and I knew he was so good at Roma. Um, so I'm hoping for someone like that. Um, because it'd be crazy not to have Salah last season, right? Yeah, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> Game weeks. Uh, it sounds like we, um, we've we had a, a really good chat about the early kind of early thing way things are shaping up for FPL with the prices and new positions for players and stuff like that. But we need to have another chat once there's been a few more transfers. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Yep. Okay, well, let's um, catch up in a couple of weeks once um, things have started moving a bit more. And after England are World Cup champions. No, don't say that. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's, coming, it's coming, home. It's coming. I think now is the time to enjoy it because, you know, we've got further than we ever thought we would. So. Fuck it. We're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> Woo! Out in the semis. <laughs> I mean, I think the semis are 50-50 to me, I think. I agree. Completely 50-50. 50-50. Yeah. Although, I think um, the uh, the quarter going on as long as it did is in our favour, so maybe that makes it 51-49. I think... Right, I'll take I just think I think definitely England are definitely our favourites going into that game, um, but it's England, so yeah, you just, I can just see us being unlucky, uh, not deserving to lose, but somehow still losing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still there. Sol Campbell just just love goal and a penalty. penalty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, all that has changed. Like this tournament has not England a tournament. Tournament. This is a different era. We have to be different fans. We have to mm. expect success and enjoy it I am enjoying it yeah definitely Definitely enjoying enjoying it it. yeah I do have to stop talking about it now though it's time for me to to end my podcast contribution I'm afraid well a great debut a couple of great goals well done Andy (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much it's been a pleasure all right nice one guys see you in a couple of weeks all right bye bye bye